0: And welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Kush the Hub is our guest today. Kush, welcome on.
1: Thank you for having me on, man. What's up? Oh, uh, what you got playing in the background there?
0: Um, I actually got the Mets game. Even though I'm a Yankees fan, you know, spring training started, so I figured I might as well just you know at least have something on uh, since I don't have my green screen. But uh, I was originally going to get some backup quarterbacks and tight ends. Mm-hmm. But did you hear about Kyle Van Noy?
1: I did. Yeah. So Kyle, that was what literally a couple minutes ago, maybe like yeah. 20 minutes ago. And I actually retweeted um, NFL sports update. I was like, this is 100 percent a move that the Giants should hop on. And then I tagged Logan around. I'm like, Logan, listen, bro, are you saying that you wanted to use, you know, your connections to lure guys here? You actually have a legitimate connection with Calva, I know you guys are on the Patriots for so long together. Uh, get, get to work, man. That's definitely something I could see the Giants doing and I would not be opposed to.
0: And in that case, I think the Giants would actually probably take Kyler Fackerel out of their considerations in terms of, you know, signing free agents and whatnot and bring him back because, you know, I, Van Noy was with um, Judge in New England. He was with Patrick Graham in New England, so that could be a good fit. And I wouldn't mind it, and I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, I don't know the terms of the contract, but it would definitely be a good fit here, and I'm surprised they cut him, but obviously they save about $9.5 in cap
1: all right but yeah on the on the Kyler Fackle thing it, it I, I can see where you're coming from for sure right like basically that's what we're going to be Van is going to come in and replace that type of player you know a little bit older a little bit cheaper but Vano is still going to cost more than Fackle for sure I think he Fackle's a guy that's sub 5 mil but Van is a guy more that's like sub 10 mil so it's still going to be we're still going to be uh, definitely paying him a bit more for obvious reasons but yeah I did not think about it that if we were to get if we were to pursue Calvin, it would mean that, yeah, Kyle Frack was probably not going to be in the picture anymore.
0: And as we discussed last night on your call-in show, I'm, I'm growing less sympathy for Leonard Williams. I mean, I know he's got his issues with mm-hmm. the players association or whatever, but, you know, um, just because, you know, he had an 11 and a half sack year and he don't wanted, he wanted Khalil Mack money, even when he produced half a sack the year before. So, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm growing less and less sympathy for him. It, you know, I mean, obviously, people will blame Gettleman and do what they do best, but I'm just growing less sympathy for him. And, you know, next man up if the Giants end up, you know, having him walk in free agency, which it wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, it would be a bad thing, but in terms of the trade, uh, the Jets got Ashton Davis, and they still have the fifth-round pick, I believe, for this year. So I still think at this point we won because we got one year – free of Leonard Williams, you know, 11 and a half sacks and $60 million. So I just don't think that we've lost that trade quite yet. I mean, we'll see what the Jets do with their, you know, Ashton Davis and their fifth round pick of this year.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, um, I don't, at this point, whatever happens with Williams, I, I say we come out of the trade as winners because we didn't lose that much in the first place. Like you said, it was a third and fifth. They used their third to get Ashton Davis who has yet to do anything, you know, great in the NFL I'm sure he could be a good safety I mean coming out um in that draft he was regarded as one of the top si- top five safeties in that class so I'm sure he's gonna at some point in his career do something a worst case scenario is just we never hear about him again but it's like when you really look and this is gonna kind of connect to the Odell trade which has always been coming back up in, in Giants media and for Giants content creators and some people still somehow think we lost the Odell trade uh I don't know how, how because as if, when you look at a trade to see, you know, who won, you look at what did both sides game. Gain. We gained Leonard Williams initially half a sack, but even with that half a sack that same year, he was eating up a lot of pressures. He was eating up a lot of quarter. He led the NFL in quarterback hits with half a sack, which is uh, makes no sense. But that's probably why he was saying to himself, I'm worth Aaron damn money because I led the NFL in quarterback. hits." came back the next year gave us 11 and a half sacks, uh, sacks, was one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Even as a defensive end, he was like a top 15, maybe even top 10 defensive end in the league in 2020. Um, And what, we got that for a third and a fifth, a third round pick that into a safety that didn't do anything yet. And a fifth round pick, we have yet to see what happens with it. And we could get into the Odell thing as well, which I still 100% believe we won. And I really don't understand how people, when they look at it, they say that we lost that trade. And no, it's not coming from Odell. Hey, cause I'm an Odell fan. I mean, like, Odell, I'm going to keep it real, for about a good two, three-year stretch was one of the only reasons I watched the Giants because nothing else was going on.
0: I do agree about the Odell trade. I mean, even uh, if we – because what a lot of people don't know or seem to forget or whatever because, you know, it can easily be misconstrued is that at the end of March, I think, I want to say, they turned that Zeitler-Vernon trade and the OBJ trade into one trade. At least from what I've seen, you know, I mean, still we did, you know, the trade with the Browns, you know, whatever. But um, definitely we got Drew Peppers, who, you know, improved steadily this year as, you know, a playmaker on the defensive side. Also
1: on um, his rookie contract. So he was cheap.
0: Yeah, he's cheap. And, you know, it's going to be time soon for him to sign an extension with the Giants. Hopefully they can do that. I mean, it will be much easier. But also at the same time, you know, Saquon Barkley's contract is coming up. We might have to sign him to an extension, depending on what the Giants do this year. Uh, also, O'Shane Ziminez. We'll see what you know happens with him. Dexter Lawrence. I mean, doesn't it seem like he's one of the only guys in the 2019 draft class that did not regress? I mean, he had two and a half sacks. Now he has
1: four um, sacks. Lawrence? Yeah. When I, yeah, so let's think about the 19 draft class. DJ both regressed and progressed, as crazy as that sound during the 2020 season to me. Lawrence got better. He, it's he's just going to get better. Obviously, Baker, <laughs> Baker's off the team. He's a whole other situation. We didn't have our second round because we traded up. O'Shane, in my opinion, definitely regressed. Or, you know what, to be fair, he, it's not like he saw the field that much and he was out with an injury. But, yeah, you could say he regressed. Who was our fourth-round pick in 2019? Was it Julian Love? Julian Love. Junior you know, Julian Love, I'd say he stayed the same, maybe even improved a little bit. Um. Then again, once again, it's not like we saw him that much on the field. Oh, we saw him more towards the end of the season when they had him in the second cornerback role and he did he did an okay job there. Did we uh fifth round pick? We took a lot of cornerbacks. So Connolly. Connolly, oh yeah, Connolly and Slayton. Yeah, Slayton, I wouldn't even say Slayton regressed. I would just say that the NFL actually just figured out how to how to just take care of him. And you know, um, but yeah, you could definitely say that Connolly off the team, can't even make the team in uh, Minnesota. Sixth round, who we go, another corner?
0: Corey Ballantine.
1: Corey Ballantine off now the team. The seventh round. Did we have a seventh round pick in 2019? Can't remember. We had
0: George Safa with Jay and Chris Slane. Both are off the roster.
1: Both of them are off the roster. So yeah. You know what? The one person you could definitively say just got better was Dexter Lawrence out of the 19 class.
0: Definitely. I mean, his sack uh went his sacks went from two and a half to four. Love, I would say, regressed a little bit at safety at least because from what I saw, I mean, a lot of people, you know, have their different opinions in watching film and stuff. But the one play that really irks me, just going back to it, is that one play against the Rams where the score was, I believe, let's do the math here. I think it was like 10 to 6 or something like that. And then he just, he slipped on the one route that Cooper Cup was running and that was a touchdown. I think it was 55 yards. Oh, yeah,
1: I remember that. That was the only big play they got off.
0: Yeah. I mean, other than going down the goal line a couple of times, but it wasn't bad. I mean, it's not like our defense did horrible, but that one play just really sticks to me. And then they actually mm-hmm. benched him the next game that he didn't play any snaps on defense. And then obviously towards the end of the season, he was cornerback, too. And that's where, you know, I kind of grown to like him. I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I would know. But obviously, you know, that could make I, I would say the decision a little bit tougher. For the Giants in terms of cornerback uh, picking. Is he a fit? Is he not a fit? Does Graham like him? Does he not like him? um definitely so let's go into backup quarterback options I know your favorite is Tyrod Taylor at least I saw from your video or at least a little bit of it uh explain Mm why
1: so Tyrod is my favorite because my the three things I'm looking for for the Giants backup quarterback position specifically because with any backup QB position you're usually looking for two things can they come in and just take care of the offense in the absence of the starter um and can they um can they be a reliable guy? Basically, you know that they're not going to get injured and whatnot, right? The third thing for the Giants, for me, is can he still teach Daniel Jones something a little bit? Um, And you know what? I'm going to add this in there, so make it four things. Is he a threat to DJ, right? So at this point in Tyrod's career, he's three out of the four 100%. I know he could come in and still take care of this offense if DJ goes down. I know that he's really not going to get injured because he's not going to see the field and the reason I bring that up is because people are saying Alex Smith to the Giants as a backup QB I'm like why would we want a more injury prone guy as our backup it doesn't make sense um and I know for sure I know for sure that uh when the world was the third thing I listed oh yeah he could teach Daniel Jones something I don't know why I blanked on that well he can teach Daniel Jones even though I am of the group that says not all the DJ's turnovers were his fault the fact that the matter remains he had a lot of turnover worded throws in the 2020 season no matter which way you slice it dude had a lot of throws that could have been intercepted and that were intercepted the one thing about tyrod taylor that stands out to me is that he does not turn over the football he's not necessarily conservative but he just keeps the ball safe i mean he's one of the only quarterbacks in the past like five years in, in, in of the past five years nfl history that as a starter threw one interception in an entire season the guy doesn't turn over the football his interception rate on his career, I believe is like below 3% or something crazy like that. He just knows how to keep the ball safe and make the safe play, make the decision that's not going to cost the team anything directly. And so I do think he could impart a little bit of that onto Daniel Jones, even though, once again, I don't think all of Daniel Jones' turnovers were his fault, but he still does have a little bit of those throws where you're like, man, DJ, you're lucky that cornerback didn't break on that, or you're lucky it slipped through the cornerback's fingers, man. And I think Terod could teach him that. The one thing that could put some people off and that I, what I'm banking on for Tyrod to say is that at this point, he realizes he is that backup, maybe journeyman mentor QB because whether by circumstance or whether just out of, you know, stuff that's not in his control, that's what he's been the past couple of years with the, with the bills, took him to the playoffs, 2017. They drafted Josh Allen. He was out of there with the Browns for Baker's rookie year, started the first couple of games. Then he was out of there with the chargers, Justin Herbert, he started on, this was out of his hands because of his heart problem. Started, I think one or two games and then he was out of there and Justin Herbert came in with the giants. I'm hoping he could be that for us. Um, other than the fact that he won't be starting, but he will be teaching DJ and he will be that backup kind of mental role.
0: Definitely. I agree with you there. Um, I would definitely love to get Tyrod Taylor as a backup this off season, And Jordan Renan, a Giants beat writer for ESPN, put out like a memo or something that Cole McCoy is likely coming back as a backup quarterback. And, the reason why I don't like it was pertaining to your point about Tyron Taylor. He can come in there, and it's not about injuries. He can come in there, and he could, you know, have – not a chemistry. He can he can just produce with the weapons he has around him. Like, I mean, we saw in the Browns game last year a couple of times they went downfield with Colt McCoy, which seemed a little odd. I mean, I know you had a different offensive coordinator because Garrett had COVID, but at the same time, you know, McCoy is not going to be the guy you throw in there, and he's going to, you know, go with all your weapons. You can't produce – now, I get it, you know, different game plans for different QBs with Daniel Jones and, you know, Cole McCoy. But Cole McCoy, even in the Seahawks game, they ran the, the football a lot. It was – he only had one passing mm-hmm. touchdown. That was on a uh, running back pass to Alvin Morris. So that's something I definitely would like to see the Giants try to do is go after a backup QB. And you brought up some good points that I was actually going to bring up, but you did. It's all right. Um, about him being the bridge quarterback – Baker Mayfield in 2018, 2020, Justin Herbert. I mean, this guy, again, you know, at the point in his career, or at least this point in his career, he has to realize that he is just a bridge option backup quarterback. And to be honest, I really find that attractive for the Giants. I really think that's a better option than Colt McCoy. Um, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, in the list of QBs that I have on here, um, they have at least a little bit of something wrong with them. Let's start off with one, Andy Dalton. I really think that um, obviously the defense was a problem for the Dallas Cowboys last year, but I just feel like he was slinging a lot of throws in week 17. They could have been all intercepted, like one to Julian Love, one to James Bradbury, finally got one picked off uh, by Xavier McKinney that he just had to lob up there. Yes. Leonard Williams was pressuring him, but at the same time, Andy Dalton has seen that a lot in his career, unfortunately, with the Bengals, you know, having, you know, lackluster talent around him, but Jacoby Brissett, I really think that he didn't necessarily get the job done in 2019 with the Colts. I mean, uh, they had Andrew Luck. Obviously, it's going to be a drop off with Jacoby Brissett going in there with Luck's retirement. But you know, they were a seven and nine football team at that point. And you know, Brissett again, I would like to probably have as a backup, but I just don't know that I have the confidence in him to you know go in there and actually be a piece to this offense if Daniel Jones is missing. Brian Fitzpatrick, I'm concerned about. And he did well with Miami last year. He's another bridge quarterback. Um, but the thing I am concerned about with him is he's, what, 38 years old? What if he slowly slips into the down point of his career? And, you know, we can't trust him either because of injury or because of inconsistency. That's something I don't like. And some other options that I really wouldn't like are Blake Bortles, Joe Flacco, and Cam Newton. Newton obviously brings the, you know, the fashion, the style. Uh, unneeded in New York obviously because you know that would probably be unfortunately another o'dell um joe flacco he didn't necessarily i mean i get it the jets were you know lackluster with targets and you know just surrounding pieces to adam gates but i just necessarily would not like him on the roster as a backup quarterback like Portals. i mean i know he's thrown to allen robinson dd westbrook i'm just not a fan he hasn't started in like 2 3 years another one that i wouldn't mind if he wasn't coming off an injury, was
1: Kyle Allen. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think it was probably like, but I was going to say the thing about, like, a good amount of quarterbacks that you bring up, particularly the last one, Kyle Allen, is that, and this is this going to depend how you take it, they're probably a threat to DJ's job, in my opinion, as crazy as that sounds.
0: I can definitely agree with that there. And the funny thing is about Kyle Allen, obviously he started the first half-many games for the Washington football team. His only turnovers were against the New York Giants. The interception, mm-hmm. James Bradbury, And the fumble, which ended up, you know, being taken back to the house by Tate Crowder. So if he wasn't coming off a season-ending injury, I would say, okay, you know, bring him in as a backup. Mitchell Trubisky seems like, you know, a decent option. I mean, uh, he's not going to lead your team to the playoffs. I mean, then again, you know, who knows. Uh, But I quickly want to bounce into tight ends as well, just like the position to draw it. Obviously, you got Ingram, you got Smith, you got Toy Lolo, and then you've got the Uh, Future contract guys, Nate adding Nakia Griffin, Stewart, and Rice and John. And Ingram, second lowest catch rate of his career at 57.8, 11 drops this season. I mean, that is a lot. 10.1% for drops. Was that not leading the NFL? I want to say that led tight ends, but I can't be so sure. But I wouldn't be surprised at the same time. Uh, As I said, second lowest catch rate of his career. I think it was like six turnovers. He made Daniel throw uh, Seahawks, the Cowboys game, the fumble against the Cincinnati Bengals is one. That's his only fumble of the season. I definitely would like to see Caden Smith more involved in the offense, whether it's just be, you know, uh, short passes or something like that. Also um, just blocking as well, because a lot, and I think they did this towards the end of the season. And if they didn't, they should have is instead of putting Ingram, and Smith out there, they should have put Smith and Toy Lola as the blocking tight ends. That way Ingram doesn't slip up a block and then, you know, something happens in the backfield. That's what we saw this season For, for well. some reason,
1: I was thinking that Levine was going to be off the team this season. For some reason, I was thinking his contract was up or something.
0: Well, I mean, his contract isn't up, but you could save about uh, $2.95 million by cutting him. So I think the Giants might elect mm-hmm. to do that. And, you know, there's a couple of options in free agency, which I'll get to, but obviously, you know, you, I would like to see Smith more involved in the offense. Switch this over just one second. Um so cap casualties, obviously. If you trade or release Ingram, you save about six million in cap. If you release Toy Lolo, that's about two point nine five million uh saved. Options of free agency. I don't think the Giants are pursuing a tight end of free agency. I think that would probably be at most a tight end three. Uh they could also do that in later rounds of the draft and also on draft the free agents. Hunter Henry. I think he's going to be commanding big money. He could be a fit for someone like the Jaguars. Uh, But at the same time, he has an injury history, and that's something I really don't like. I'm really concerned about Rob Gronkowski. I mean, he did come off a monster Super Bowl, but I just don't know if he's going to connect with any other quarterback.
1: Even if he is going to stay and not retire again, he's probably just going to stay with the Bucs.
0: I definitely agree with that. Uh, Jared Cook, he's slowly easing out of his prime. Tyler Croft and Tyler Eifer are not really... You know, good options for a tight end one position. Jonu Smith, I wish we had the money to go get him. Honestly, I would have, you know, been on that train if we had a lot of money, but unfortunately we don't. Uh, Tight end three options, I think these are some solid options. One of them was a breakout candidate. Well, not necessarily breakout, but he produced in key spots for the Eagles, Richard Rodgers. A couple of times last year, I think he put up 90 receiving yards every time against the Giants or something along that line. Trey Burton, Demetrius Harris from the Bears, and Ross Dwelly from the 49ers. And then you go into the draft options. I know your favorite is on there, Kyle Pitts. But Please the thing is, right, here's
1: know. the thing with Kyle Pitts. If I, I okay, okay, There's, this is where the misconception is. I love Kyle Pitts. I don't like him for the Giants. That's that's the difference, right? Kyle Pitts is a great tight end. In fact, he's not even tight. End. He's just a great weapon. But he's a weapon, and, and you know what? The Giants do need a weapon. But if we bring him in... Unless we're switching him to wide receiver, there is no reason to bring him in, in my opinion. Even if we switch him to wide receiver, Kyle Pitts is going to be an amazing, great number two wide receiver. I don't have confidence that he's going to be a legit number one that could consistently beat these NFL top-level defensive backs, unlike, unlike the top wide receivers of the draft because they've been playing against specifically cornerbacks for their entire career. Kyle Pitts will be a great number two receiver and, and he's better than Evan Ingram because a lot of the reason that Giants fans that don't want him, their reasoning, not mine, is that he's just another Evan Ingram. No, he's not. He's way better than him. He's completely unmatched in terms of route running with Evan Ingram and actually catching the ball and making plays. He's, he's a playmaker. The thing is, unless we switch in wide receiver, there's no reason to do that. And even then, I don't believe he's going to be our number one. But if we do bring him in and just keep him at tight end, this is the thing. What are we gonna do with Ingram at that point? Because Ingram is our receiving tight end. Then we have two pass catching, ter- terrible blocking tight ends uh, as our top two tight ends. And at that point, you're just like, what are we doing? Would we, are we gonna cut him? Are we gonna trade him? Um, that's why I actually like Pat Fryerman a lot more for the Giants. Um, even though he's not really in play for, for us at 11 or 42, he's gonna go around like the late 20s, early 30s.
0: Definitely, and um. What's been the talk for the past couple of years with the Giants fans? Oh, switch Ingram to wide receiver. The same mismatch does not occur with Ingram at a wide receiver spot. His mismatch comes with linebackers and safeties. That's at least the mismatch he is supposed to bring. That's not switching him to wide receiver and he could suddenly beat a corner. No, he can't do that. I think the Giants maybe know that. They probably do, that he can't switch over there. I think if they knew that, or at least if he could have done that, they probably would have switched them over there earlier. So, I mean, obviously that option is probably sailed to the Giants, switching them over to wide receiver. Now it's going to be tight end. And obviously the other day there was rumors coming out that, oh, they're shopping Evan Ingram. The same guy had like 90 followers uh, on Twitter. I mean, I don't know how anybody trusts that. I mean, it's just, it, it's ridiculous. But you did mention uh, Pat Fryer in the second round. If he falls to us, I would definitely take him uh Brevin Jordan out of Miami uh I find him a little bit similar to Pitts I think he could improve his blocking on some standard he is kind of like Pitts he could have a slot
1: has been rising up draft boards as well
0: definitely and you could line him on the outside you could line him on the inside as well um obviously just better blocking as well um and then obviously like tight ends in the NFL that have been taken in the later rounds you know the analysts will project, oh, this guy can be you know, a tight end two, a tight end three. Uh, Nonsense, because George Kittle and all those other tight ends selected in the later rounds, if anything, and I've said this how many times, this draft class for the New York Giants, the 2020 draft class, should have been a lesson that Giants fans learned. First round is one of many rounds. You could take somebody in the third, the fourth, the fifth, and they can work. You just have to work at them. I mean, they may be projects, but Hell, Shane Lemieux could be turning into a pro bowler one day. I don't know. Um, but the thing is, what do you do with. I'll Evade tell you from?
1: who the the guy that we took in the mid rounds that could definitely has the potential to be somebody great is Tate Crowder. So you bring up a great point there. And I will say, what about with George one Now, that's another reason that I forgot to mention. People love to, to talk about positional value, but for some reason forget it when it comes to Kyle Pitts. You don't take a tight end 11th overall. We've seen it the past two or three drafts with guys like Hawkinson and um, Fant, and they're good tight ends in their own right. But they're definitely not worth where they were taking. I think No Fant was taking eighth overall or something crazy like that, or was that Hawkinson one out of them? They're not worth that pick. They're good tight ends. You go back and ask the teams if they take them, you know, later on. They'd probably say yeah, because tight end is a position just like running back that you could find later on.
0: Absolutely. And especially in the Giants case, when you're talking about running back, you know, they'll probably be doing some searching. Um, Apparently, according to the same memo, Jordan Ronan thinks that they're going to bring back Gaulman. It just has to be the right price. And then how many times we got to talk about it? Is he going to be wanting more money from a team that wants to put him in the starter role or in a rotational role? Maybe somewhere in like New England. James White is an option for the Giants. I know Ronan listed that in his memo. I mean, that wouldn't be a bad option as a second running back or a third running back. I still would like them to draft somebody in the later rounds, like Elijah Mitchell or something like that. I love Um, Elijah Mitchell in the late rounds. Especially familiarity. So the big question is whether the Giants select Pitts or somewhere else, or I don't know, um, what do you do with Evan Ingram? And if you want to trade him, where do you trade him? Do you trade him before the draft? Do you trade him during free agency? Do you trade him during the draft for picks? Do you trade him after the draft? What would you do?
1: I want to trade him anytime up until the draft. I don't want to finish the draft to come out of draft night with Evan Ingram still on the roster. If the giants are shopping him in this scenario, right? So that would be during free agency before the draft, during the draft. Um, That would be the time period that I'm looking to trade him. If there's anybody genuinely interested, the teams that I'm looking at anybody, bro, anybody that wants Evan Ingram, come over here, call up the, the GM's phone. Let me hear your price if for some reason you want him. Teams you're looking at that probably need tight end, the most famous one is the Bills because they're actually probably going to get a tight end, uh, specifically maybe Frymuth in the first round. Um, that's, that's a position they could use. And Ingram would actually be good over there because he won't be forced to be the number one target. He'll be behind Diggs. He'll be behind, I can't believe I'm saying this, Cole Beasley. Like He'll be, he'll be less pressured. Um, and it seems like that's what's getting onto his mind right now. But what, what other teams need tight ends that are slipping Jaguars. my mind right now? Maybe the Saints... Cardinals. Need a tight end? Yeah, Jaguars. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, you think about the Saints. Maybe they're gonna cut a lot of people. Maybe Jared Cook is gone. Maybe they need a tight end. There is a couple teams out there that could come knocking.
0: Yeah, definitely some of those teams. And you know, I mean, some teams will end up giving up picks if they're rebuilding. I mean, let's see. Uh, Jaguars. They'll need some weapons. Tyler Eifert's gonna be cut. Oh, uh, he's actually gonna be a free agent. I, be- I believe this off season. So maybe they give up picks. I mean, I know they probably have a lot and they're in a rebuild. So obviously, you know, the number one pick and all that stuff. But definitely I would trade him to a tight end needy team to get whatever I can get and then take somebody like Fryer and Ruth. And my plan for that is uh, and obviously if the Giants end up just not finding a straight partner and releasing. Evan Ingram, you're going to obviously have those, you know, people out there. Oh, we got them for nothing. At the same time, they don't know what's going on inside the building if the Giants even found a trade partner. But at the same time, you save $6 million in cap, which would be, you know, really, I would say a good job if Gettleman did that because, you know, he's off your roster and maybe you could go out and draft. And then maybe they could kind of, you know, uh, trick another team uh, into thinking, oh, they're going to select Kyle Pitts and the Giants actually take a corner. And I don't know, maybe it's just like one of those draft things, uh, draft, I would say situations, but it would be interesting definitely that way. My plan would be drafting Firemuth or Jordan in round two, trading Ingram during free agency. If you can't find a partner, obviously cut him and save the $8 million to $9 million along with Toy Lolo and then find a tight end three in free agency or the back end of the draft because, I mean, tight end three is, you know, it's still a key position, but at the same time. You, know, you could just find tight end threes off the of free agent market, you know, sign them one year, cut them the next. But two tight ends matter, especially when uh, you're in Jason Garrett's offense and you're especially run heavy, especially run heavy. So, uh, hopefully, during this offseason, Evan Ingram is not a giant anymore. If he is, then I wouldn't be surprised because him and Judge surprisingly like each other.
1: Yeah, that's that's a surprise for sure. And, and the way that I would go with the Evan Ingram situation, and this is just because I'm thinking about the money, is that I would actually keep him because it's not too big of a cap hit. And I would keep him, but I would cut Levi and Toy Lolo because he has not produced as our blocking tight end at all. Toy Lolo has not been the guy for us. Honestly, our best blocking tight end this year was probably Caden Smith. And Caden Smith was just on here because he was a good receiving tight end. Um, You know, that's why people were saying, hey, yo, he's is he a potential replacement for Evan Ingram? But Toy Lolo, Polo did not fulfill the job he was brought in here to do, so I would probably cut him. I'd keep Ingram, just let him play out the fifth-year option that we, for some reason, gave him last year. And, you know, when he finishes the fifth-year option, he's done. That's it. You know, just let him go.
0: Definitely. And also an option I forgot to bring up, but it also could be possible, um, trading him at the deadline in October. What teams will take him there? What teams are on the, you know, the, uh, the step? To possibly making a playoff run, they need an extra receiver. They could trade um, for Evan Ingram, give up a couple of picks. We take that into the draft and we do something with it because I think maybe at that time the Giants would be almost ready to compete, at least in you know 2022. But we'll see. We'll definitely see uh, about that. Uh, that is pretty much the end of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, or at least this episode. Uh, Kush thanks for coming on you guys can check him out at the hub on YouTube he does call on shows every Tuesday night he's also on the Young Guns podcast with Kid Blue I think it's every Wednesday you said yeah every Wednesday it um,
1: is every Wednesday yeah
0: also I made an announcement on YouTube that I am starting another podcast every Monday uh, with my brother and my friend Sean we're going to be talking a bunch of sports it's also going to be a barrel of laughs as well Kush thanks for coming on uh, talk to you soon obviously mm-hmm. probably tried to call in tonight and thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for tuning into the channel. And we'll see you on Friday. Coach, thanks for coming on.
1: Peace.